0: Ho ho ho, listeners, and welcome to the (laughs) 2021 Christmas special. Let's read the Bible. Cue the
1: Christmas music right now. I can't.
0: You know, here's the thing. I can promise you, I will add Christmas music to the intro and the outro of this one. It won't be our normal.
1: It won't be our normal funky beats. So, anyway. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome. Um, It's sad to say, but it's fun to say. Uh, It's our last podcast of the year, but it's fun because we get to do a Christmas special. So, uh, I'm glad you're tuning in. Excited for today's discussion. And then stay tuned for January 9th. We'll be our next
0: episode Coming to back. drop. And then we'll be, uh, I mean, it won't be like massively different from what we do, but we'll be making a couple of fun changes. So, anyway, we'll but keep you updated on that. Uh, and then, as always, if Spoiler, you have. I'm
1: leaving the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: Um, if you have any questions, though, that you'd like us to answer, they don't have to be about what we've talked about this week or even in the Bible reading plan. Just any biblical questions that you have, uh, you can email them in to info at or direct message them on our Facebook page. If you email, just put, let's read the Bible question in the subject line. That way people know what it is.
1: And if you if you typically listen to this podcast, you know that's something I would say, but Evan's ho, ho, ho threw me off. We just so all- he had to jump in and take over my line because I forgot. Listen, listeners- this is chaos.
0: Welcome to Christmas <laughs> Special 2021. Uh, okay, so we're gonna, what we're actually going to do today is we're going to look through. This was suggested uh, by one of our dear listeners that we should go through some of the messianic prophecies uh, as a Christmas episode. So what we're actually going to do is we're going to go through the nativity account in Matthew. But we're also gonna pause because there's three different spots in this, in that specific story where Matthew says, this is what was to fulfill what was written by the prophet so-and-so. So we're actually gonna pause and talk about those a little bit. So it'll be fun. Um, and here's a question. Why look back? You know, we have the New Testament. New Testament is awesome. Like, why should we look back at the Old Testament? And to that, I would say- It's a loaded question. I would remind us of possibly the greatest villain in all of scripture- The Grinch. Next to this Satan kid. himself, uh, Clopas or Cleopas, however you want to say it. And you might be thinking to yourself, who the heck is Cleopas? Well, he was the guy that Jesus met with him on the road and he went through and explained every single instance in the Old Testament that pointed to him and freaking Cleopas didn't write any of it down. So all we have is that <laughs> it happened. We don't get any of the details. So thanks a lot, guy. One day when we see each other in heaven, we're going to have we're going to have words. So, I mean, not really, but I'm sure, I'm sure God had a plan for why it wasn't recorded, but... God's gonna say, welcome to heaven. Where's Cleopas? Where's that, where that guy? God, I'll get back to you. <laughs> anyway, um, but here's the idea, right? <laughs> what that story shows is that the Old Testament points to Jesus, that all throughout the Old Testament, what are we getting? Well, it's leading up to... Who Jesus is—it's leading up to God becoming flesh, um, and there's moments where now when we look back at them in the Old Testament, they're so obvious that that's what it is. Yeah, right. But you don't see it, like, and and I think it's it's the same thing we talked about with our um, end times episode, where people get in trouble when they take prophecy in the moment and they try and they say like, okay, well, obviously this is how it's going to play out. Mm. Like, it's one of those things where a lot of biblical prophecy really obvious in hindsight. And the moment that it came, it wasn't so obvious. And that's that's the trouble that a lot of the first century Jews got into where they wow. had this idea of who the Messiah should be. Um, and when Jesus comes, he does fulfill all the prophecy, but not in the way that people And would. he doesn't look like they think he should look like. Also true. Who's that guy? Oh man. Sad right. story. So anyways, like I said, we're, we are just going to read through the first few chapters of Matthew and we'll pause. Uh, we're gonna skip the gene- genealogy though. Geology is favorite part I I'm know. just kidding it's a good it's it's I, we've done an episode talking about I think both Luke and Matthew's genealogies so um it's good stuff but that's just not what we're going to talk about yep. today all right so starting in verse 18 of chapter one it says this now the birth of Jesus Christ took place took place this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit and her husband Joseph being just a man and unwilling Sorry, being a just man, being just, he was also just a man, uh, but being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save their people from their sins, the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So, all right, really cool ideas here. Um, We're going to pause. What is being referenced here is actually Isaiah chapter seven. So we'll read kind of the full context of that section, and it goes like this. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord, your God, let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, and this is the king at the time, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey. And when he knows how to refuse evil and choose the good. For when the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. All right. So this gets into one of the interesting points of Old Testament prophecy in particular, where you actually have... What could be described as a double fulfillment? So a lot of people will hold that there's only one fulfillment of these verses, and that is the coming of the Messiah of Christ. And a lot of people will hold um, that there's a double fulfillment. There's a time that happens within the lifetime of uh, Isaiah and Ahaz, and there's a second fulfillment of kind of like a an ultimate fulfillment in who Christ is. Um, and ultimately, you know, there's Christians on both sides of that of that argument. I don't think it's it's that intense of a thing. Um, but what it is showing is how important the idea of Emmanuel is, and it was pointed out to me in one of the one of the books that we were I was reading as we studied it, is that Matthew goes out of his way to translate it because in the Isaiah passage it doesn't go and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's something that Matthew adds in later because he wants to make sure that people understand uh, that this fulfillment of God being with us is a little bit different from what people may have interpreted it. It wasn't this idea of God will be with us, like his spirit moves with us, just like it did, you know, when Moses was leading the people through the wilderness. It all of a sudden turns into this idea of, no, God is actually with us, like God Himself is has become man. And that is the idea of who this person is. So really cool passage there. There's also a couple chapters later in Isaiah, but it kind of it deals with the same theme. So I want to read this one. And this one's just really famous. So you can't, you can't talk about Old Testament messianic prophecies without talking about Isaiah 9. And that's where it says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shown. For you have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when you divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of tramping warrior in battle and tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for a fire. For to us a son is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, Mm -hmm. the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And you can see in that passage, how easy it would be to interpret that as, um, Oh, cool. So a King's going to come and he's going to overthrow Israel. And it it shows this whole idea of, and it kind of goes back to Colossians when we were, we were reading last week where, in Christ, there is no uh, Jew or Greek. There is no circumcised or uncircumcised. There is no barbarian or Scythian. And it's this whole idea of the way that we define ourselves changed upon the ministry of Christ, upon what Christ accomplished and the way that the Jews define themselves changed. Mm -hmm. Um, Before Jesus, the primary point of being Jewish was that you were a nation that was separate. You were God's chosen nation. but now all of a sudden, the throne of David, so this whole idea of like God's nation being chosen, that's over the whole world. That is no longer over just Israel. And so yeah. you you can see how like, and again, it's, it's one of those things, that it's obvious in hindsight, looking back, oh, this is how Jesus fulfills those prophecies. But in the moment, you can see how you kind of get, you can get a little sidetracked on yeah. it. So. Hindsight is, it, it's its nice to sometimes be on the other side where you see the fulfillment of things. Right, absolutely. Um, when, when we get to like, I'm excited one day, far in the future, on the other side of eternity, probably, um, to figure out what revelation is all about, <laughs> like some of those <laughs> things. Because I, I, I do think it's going to be almost exactly the same where most of us have gotten it completely wrong. Yeah. And then it happens. And then we look back oh. and we're like, oh, oh, that's Duh. how, wow. Yeah, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like Yahweh's clever. <laughs> yeah. it looks <laughs> like, like he knew what he was doing the whole time. <laughs> all right. Well, let's continue on with the Christmas story. So this is Matthew chapter two. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. <clears throat> when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. I actually want to pause here for a quick second. Because the line and all of Jerusalem with him is an interesting one because you you might be thinking, wait, the king of the Jews, like that sounds great. Um, Jewish history, as particularly at this point, is essentially the idea of we should be our own nation yes. and then being brutally put down by whatever empire was ruling over at the time. And so the last one that was happening was the, uh, um, the Hasmonean dynasty. And they rebel against the Seleucid Empire. They drive them out. It's this whole cool thing. Eventually, like they kind of leave on their own, not the Hasmoneans, but the, the Greeks kind of leave on their own. Uh, but then Rome comes and they essentially put that back down. And so a lot of people in Jerusalem, the idea of a king of the Jews, <clears throat> while exciting to some, and especially exciting to the Pharisees who are looking forward to kind of this this Messiah to come forward, it would also mean oh no, there's going to be more wars isn't there. Like this, it's it's not necessarily this idea of, because again, what what's the picture they have of the Messiah? The picture they have is of a warrior king who is going to, who's going to free the people, which in the one sense is great, but on the other sense, you know, they can almost kind of say, well, that kind of happened. And then we're right back to where we started. So kind of just an interesting thought. Uh, but then anyways, the wise men told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So that's our second prophecy we're going to look at today. And this is from uh, the book of Micah. So Micah chapter five.
1: And uh, Aaron, do you want to read this bad boy? I don't know how to read. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. It says this in Micah chapter five, verses one through five. Now you muster your troops, O daughters of troops. Siege is laid. by What? I just missed all that up. Now you muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when when she who is in labor has given birth, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God, and they shall dwell secure for now. He shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. So there's this whole idea of, well, what's going to happen? So out of
0: Bethlehem, there's gonna be a ruler in Israel who's coming forth is from days of old. So ancient days, literally ancient days because that's like the first prophecy in the Bible is God telling, I don't know if, is it a prophecy if God says it? I don't know. Does it have to be through a prophet? But we'll call it a prophecy. Yes, let's but call it that. it's God telling Eve that one day there will be uh, a son who is born of a woman who will crush the head of the serpent. Or in other words, will crush Satan. Um, and so... From that point forward, this king who has been, he's been told about coming forth since the days of old, this is when he is referencing there. Um, but again, you can see how easily it would be yeah. misinterpreted. And I think, especially when the whole idea of, and he shall be their peace when the Assyrian comes into our land and treads our palaces. Um, it's interesting to me that within 50 years of Jesus's crucifixion, um, less if it is, it's like 40 something years. Uh, Jerusalem's destroyed, hmm. and this is like the final destruction of the yeah. temple. Um, and so, I, I think in this sense, you can see the Assyrian being was well, the Romans, and they're coming in, and what? And now it's it's over, essentially. Like the whole idea of an independent. Jewish state, which is set aside from the rest of the world. That wouldn't be realized until the 1940s is the next time that the <laughs> Israelites ruled over themselves. It's crazy to think about, but like, because we're, we're literally talking about from uh, 70 AD all the way to uh, AD 1940. I can't remember if it was a 48 or something like that, but anyway, I should have known that date. All those things, all those things to be said, what is the peace of God's people in that time? Well, it's the fact that they have a ruler mm-hmm. who is not ruling over kingdoms of men. That now, when they are scattered all throughout the world, um, those who those who have accepted Christ as the Messiah, all of a sudden, they have this hope that lasts with them forever. This this King that has come out of Bethlehem. So it's a, it's, a, it's a really cool idea. Um, yeah. I love that. Um, and you even see with the Bethlehem thing how God uses the most powerful people in the world to accomplish his will because uh, Mary and Joseph would have never gone to Bethlehem if it wasn't for the Roman yep. Emperor uh, Augustus declaring a census and yep. which forced them to travel all the way to Bethlehem and fulfill this prophecy from Micah. So. And if
1: this prophecy wasn't fulfilled, Jesus would not have been the Messiah. Yeah. like that, That's the significance of these moments and throughout all of the New Testament story that like, connects back to the Old Testament prophecies. If a single one of them was not fulfilled or met, then Jesus would not have been the Messiah. So there you go. that's the craziness of it. Well, to wrap up, this is our last section of scripture that we're reading. This is in Matthew chapter
0: 2, verses 7 through 18. And it says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he, said to the, he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me words that I too may come and worship him. What a, what a tricky guy, that Herod. What a He's shady. What a jerk. Um, After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I call my son. Then Herod, when he saw that, uh, that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and, and all that region who were there, two, uh, two or older, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, a voice in Ramah, weeping, loud, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Um, ooh, dark ones. Okay. Yeah, right. So let's talk about the Jeremiah one first. Um,
1: Aaron, if you wouldn't mind reading that bad boy. Yeah, it's Jeremiah thirty-one fifteen to 22 uh, says this. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children shall come back to their own country. I have heard Ephraim grieving. You have disciplined me, and I was disciplined like an untrained calf. Bring me back that I may be restored for you, O the Lord my God. For after I turned away, I relented, and after I was instructed, I struck my thigh. I was ashamed, and I was confounded, because I bore the disgrace of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him, and I will surely have mercy on him," declares the Lord. And so, I think with this passage, we can see
0: how not all prophecy is o- obvious. Yeah, right. Because you wouldn't read this one and think, "Oh, oh that's this about is about the Messiah." Yeah, or, or even like this is looking forward to um, a vastly different like future event. And so, I think for me, because when you when you read through the gospel accounts and even the things that Jesus says, there's a bunch of parts where it says. Um, this is to fulfill blank, and then you go through and read it and you're like, i wouldn't even realize that this is something that was pointing to who Jesus would be and that's why I think that 's why I'm so mad at Cleopas or Cle- I don't know how to say his name, but um, <laughs> just the whole idea of being able to look through all of the old covenant and being able to look through all of the scripture and seeing, oh okay, this is what it was all pointing to yeah it's, it's a cool idea yeah um and then the final prophecy that's missing. Mentioned. It's actually the third one, uh, but it's in Hosea chapter 11. And this is another example of one that maybe isn't so obvious, but it says... When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the bales and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with the cords of human kindness with ties of love to them. I was like the one who lifts a little child to the cheek and bent down to feed them so it I think in this passage what you're getting at is and i I think I've said this a few times, one of my favorite sermons I've ever heard, I can't find. And it really makes me <laughs> mad, but it, cause it was a pastor. It was, um, um, Girl, I told you, uh, I'll
1: give you my notes. Yeah. I'm just kidding.
0: It was a church that I liked listening to and they had a guest speaker and it was this guy, just old guy, super gravelly, deep voice. And the entire message was um, so-and-so did this. Jesus did this. Jesus is the better blank. So-and-so did this. Jesus did this. jesus That's literally all the message was. It was just like, it almost seemed like he was like just reading it. But it, I just remember, I was listening to it. I was enthralled. It was beautiful. Um, so shout out to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> but- We don't know who you are. We don't know you're, where you're from, but thank you. But I can hear your voice in my head still. Um, but it brings me to this whole idea of Jesus is the better Israel. Yeah. And so Israel is in Egypt- Um, They're being persecuted there. God calls them out of it. Yahweh uses Moses to bring Israel up out of Egypt. And then what do they do? Well, they don't fulfill the promises that they were supposed to keep. They don't fulfill the covenant. Um, Jesus is in Egypt because of persecution, Uh, not necessarily experiencing persecution there, but because of Herod's persecution, he goes to Egypt. He is called out of Egypt. He goes back to Israel and he fulfills the covenant. It's It's a really cool picture. And so I think it's funny because with some of these, is it saying this is what this is to fulfill what is being said here. It's not saying that this is necessarily a prediction of like, and this is what the Messiah is gonna be. It's also saying it's fulfilling the picture of the Old Testament that Jesus mm-hmm. is. And, and there's a bunch of them, right? Like Jesus is the better Adam, he's the better David, yeah. he's the better Moses, he's all these different things. Um, but even the story of Israel, which is God's chosen people yeah. who failed. Jesus is the son of God yep. who succeeds. So, I don't know. I dig it. Uh, and then finally, to, to wrap up the Christmas story here, we'll say, but when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. Um, hey, you know, shout out to Herod. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> And he rose and took the child and his mother and he went to the land of Israel. Uh, But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth. So that was, uh, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. Yeah. There you go. Hmm. I should have put that one in. Wow. I feel dumb. That's the, that's literally the ending verse, and I didn't even I didn't even do that. What what a clown! But I don't know, I, I think I hope this has been a little bit help you helpful for you because even just reflecting on how how Jesus is shown yeah. in the Old Testament, I think one of the one of the bummers of the whole Christmas season is that we don't actually take the time to reflect on what it all means because it's become such an um, it's become such a cultural holiday to a yeah. certain that to a certain extent that we don't take the time to reflect on the hope of Jesus yeah. that is within the whole thing. So I, I don't know. I know that's kind of like just a vague, a vague thing to say, a vague way to end it, I suppose. No,
1: I, I think it's good, man. I, th- I just read, again, I've been working through obviously different, the Sermon on the Mount for the last several, I feel, months. Um, but one of the things that was said even recently in one of, the, one of the, the chapters that I read was just this idea of like, Christmas is always gonna be a secular holiday with, with deep, deep truth to who Christ is. And, and on one hand, we can recognize as Christians the, the validity of the secular holiday, but the other side of the conversation, we have to remember the simple truth um, that is our responsibility to to grow, to learn, to understand really Christmas, uh, mm-hmm. and celebrating Christ's birth, and we don't we don't have. You know, the, the the arguments or the the, the truth of, like, well, when was Jesus actually born? That That's not the point. The point of Christmas is to bring Christ back into the secular conversation. And we have to do our diligence to understand, which is why a, a, taking time like this to work through the prophecies and what is fulfilled and what isn't, like, and how it was fulfilled and going back to the Old Testament to see it, it's really important. And I think it goes back to even a comment you made earlier at the beginning of the episode is the same thing with Revelation. Like, I, there is this sense that when we get to eternity, it's going to, like light bulb like oh that like that's that's what that meant that's what that's the fulfillment of of what was said to be to be coming and and it's just important as christians to sometimes just pause and to recognize how wonderful god is how and how awe uh awesome god really is and and let those things be evident an increasing measure over the course of the christmas season because that will continue to compound and grow year over year over year and so I think there's a really a really high value in doing that well it's a reminder too just like we
0: talked about with Colossians last week about how Christ is supreme Christ is at the center of everything um, Christ is also the center of the Bible um, and the Old Testament just shouts Jesus to us um I think like it's funny I'm uh, this this will be my last thing talking about Job for a while. But I think um, I, was, I was reading through the Elihu chapters again. And there's a part where he talks about, um, he's talking with Job and he's imagining what it would be like for an angel um, to stand between God and man and a suffering man. And then for the angel to say, look, I have found a ransom. Now his ransom is paid. And... The suffering of the person to be alleviated, and you you read those things, and it's at the time you read it, and it, you, it's kind of like a wow, that would be nice. Um, but now, with the benefit of hindsight, we read that and like that's it's Jesus, what? Like instead of an angel, it's like no, it's God Himself standing between God and man, um, and instead of of ransom being found, like for instance with um, uh, with Abraham and Isaac, where all of a sudden a ransom is found, and and then Isaac is spared. No, no, the the, the mediator will be paying the ransom. And there's all these sections. And the the Abraham and Isaac story is another perfect one, which is like in hindsight, looking back on, oh, it's Jesus, like Hosea and Gomer. um, And this whole (laughs) idea of like Gomer being unfaithful and Hosea going and paying her ransom, even though he was under no obligation to do so and loving her, even though he was under no obligation to do so, just the way that God loves us. It's just one of those things where When we read the Old Testament through the lens of Christ, when we read it asking ourselves, where are the sections that just shout who Jesus is? I think we get an even deeper fulfillment. We get an even deeper picture of what Jesus accomplished in the New Testament, if that's the way that we read the Old Testament. So yeah, well said. Anywho, uh, before we get to our question today, we do want to remind all of you. Leave us a review, you know, preferably five stars. If it's a one star, maybe just like email me and then we can talk about it and we can get that bad boy up to at least four or whatever it is. Um, But honestly, it just helps get the podcast out there to more people. The more people who review it, the more positively it's viewed, uh, the more our community of people reading the Bible together gets
1: to grow. So here's what I'll say. If it's going to be one star, at least tell us why. There's nothing worse than getting a review with no reason why, if it's a low review. It's true. But help us get better. Send us a message. All right. Well, our question today says this. Hi, Aaron and Evan. My name came first this time.
0: It's true. Alphabetically. Uh, yes. Hello, listener. I was listening to your podcast on the book of Daniel and a question came into my head when the King of Babylon had a dream and asked the wise men to repeat the dream and then interpret it for him. They weren't able to do it. Then Daniel prayed and God told Daniel what the dream meant and its interpretation. Does this mean that the King's dream was from Yahweh? Thanks for your podcast and the info. All right. This is a good question. This is a good question. Um, I don't, we haven't talked about this at all before, so I'm not sure if we're going to agree or disagree on this. Um, But I think, I don't think the fact that God was able to tell Daniel the dream necessarily means that the dream was from God because yeah, like he could just say like, here's a dream. Um, I think the fact that the dream had a very specific prophetic interpretation, I think that does mean yes, that Yahweh gave this dream um, to Nebuchadnezzar and essentially is using, he's using that situation to bring Daniel into prominence which is one of the things that yeah. is one of the things that God is going to use to accomplish his work in that moment. He's also using that to humble the King. It's kind of this, it's kind of this dual thing. It's kind of funny how Daniel will be exalted through this. Nebuchadnezzar will be humbled yeah. above all God will be glorified. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there, even the reason that we would ask that is sometimes we think to ourselves, well, God doesn't speak to people who aren't overt believers. Well, that's also not true. Like all throughout the Bible, we have, um, God speaking to people who are not believers, pro- people hearing prophecy who are yeah. not believers, and it's it's either getting them to turn from their from their ways. Uh, we can see that with the Ninevites, for instance, where Jonah, he, God sends Jonah and he sends to essentially say, "Hey, like you know, guys, cut it out." Um, but even like miraculous ones like Balaam and the donkey, where you see like this guy, like Balaam is is no lover of the Lord, He's um, a lover of money. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but God communicates with them, and so I think there are these different situations. Um, where God lovingly reveals himself to, I, I will say non-Christians, but like back then that wasn't even a thing. So non, yeah. non-believers, I guess, non-Yahweh worshipers. Um, but he does, so, he does so lovingly to reveal truth and uh, in, in a bunch of different ways throughout the Old Testament. So just because God is speaking, just because God is giving visions to someone doesn't necessarily mean that they are um, his chosen people. It just yeah. means that he's wanting to reveal truth.
1: Yeah, I agree. Okay. I don't have anything else to add. I think that's that's what I would say too. Cool. The context around the dream is what validates it's from Yahweh, uh, not necessarily because Daniel's the interpreter of it. So, all right. That's what I'm
0: well, on that note, listeners, <laughs> we we now plunge you into our two-week absence, our 400 years of silence. If you miss us, <laughs> you know you can go back in the archive and listen to some greatest hits or yeah. whatever you want to do. So, thanks for a great year. We just want you to know that we will miss you as much as you miss and us. We can't wait to come back. All right. Well, anyway, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. See
1: See you next time.